Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. Well, I've been doing some interviews lately, and I'm really excited today. We have a wonderful guest who's going to come and talk to us about pain management and using breathing. She's just amazing. Her name is Dr. Amy Novotny, and she founded the PABR, which stands for Pain Awareness Breathing Relief Institute with the mission to provide pain, stress, and anxiety relief to those who seek a naturalistic form of treatment when other treatment methods have fallen short. Now, she also has a background in orthopedics, sports, geriatrics, balance disorders, nerve injuries, and most recently, chronic pain. Now, her methods have helped countless people reduce and eliminate pain, stress, anxiety, orthopedic surgeries, sleep issues, and the need for medication. Now, she has co-authored two Amazon number one best-selling books, Don't Quit, Stories of Persistence, Courage, and Faith, and Success Habits of Super Achievers. Now, I will put both of these in the show notes, so don't worry if you didn't catch that. And the success habits of super achievers, that shares her journey on how and why she developed the PABR method. And interestingly enough, she also speaks French and Spanish. And I'm not even done, okay? She also has ran 40, over 40 marathons, including 10 ultra marathons, including two 100 milers. I'm going to repeat that to 100 milers, and she completed an Ironman triathlon, and she's also a wonderful photographer, and her pictures have been featured in National Geographic, Your Shot, the world top photo of the day. I am in awe of Dr. Novotny and what all she has done and how multifaceted her life is, and I'm so excited to hear what she has to say about using breathing as pain relief. Dr. Novotny, welcome to Phoenix and Flame. Thank you so much for having me on, Dana. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm excited to share or help your audience however I can. This is wonderful. Well, why don't you just start out with giving us just kind of an overview of the pain awareness breathing relief and how you kind of came about that, and we can kind of fill in the gaps as we go along. Sure. So I started this business back in the end of 2018. I had had my doctorate in physical therapy. I worked as a physical therapist for a few years, and then I started exploring beyond that. I'd see patients at that time who had chronic pain. They got a little bit better, but they didn't really transform. Mm -hmm. I was like, there has to be more out there. So I started taking some coursework through the Postural Restoration Institute, looking at asymmetries in our body and how that affects mobility. And they also touch on breathing or your diaphragm and the asymmetries in your diaphragm. 
And at the time, I was training to qualify for the Boston Marathon. And so I just started playing on myself. And I was like, okay, if I breathe this way, what happens? If I breathe this way, what happens? If I do this to my rib cage, what happens? And when I combined a certain position with my rib cage and breathing, I would get off the treadmill after having run eight miles and it felt like I never got on. I didn't have to stretch. I didn't feel tight. I didn't have the achiness. I didn't, I stopped foam rolling. I stopped scraping all these things that as a physical therapist, I was teaching other people. I just stopped doing it. And I noticed my marathon time just got faster and faster and faster. And I blew through the qualifying marks for, for Boston. I'm like, okay, what did I just stumble on? Is this, is this something that everyone else knows and I'm just late to the game? Or <laughs> is this something I'm stumbling on and I could really help people and change the way people view their health and healthcare? And luckily it was the latter. So I was still in a traditional physical therapy clinic and I started implementing this with my patients at the time and they got faster, quicker, and the pain went away. And people with chronic pain all of a sudden didn't have the pain. They stopped using medications, all these different things. And I had a lot of pushback from, from doctors who said, you are not allowed to teach breathing. You're not allowed to use balloons and straws. And I mean, I spent many nights going home just crying, just upset. I'm like, okay, I know I'm onto something and I'm being restricted and I can't do it. Like, what do I do with this? Because Morally and ethically, I am I'm a helper. I, I don't want to hurt anyone. And if I feel like I'm doing something correct, I really want to share it, especially when I saw these results. And there was one neurologist, one of the top neurologists in Arizona, in the Phoenix area, he sent me a, a patient of his who actually knew outside of it, who wanted to come see me. And we helped with his nerve injury get faster, months faster than normal. And so then he started sending me all of these cases and scenarios. I mean, just strange situations that the human body has gone through to help these people. And then I started getting known to help people out of knee replacement surgeries who are bone on bone, have been doing three injections per year, daily inflammatories, anti-inflammatory medicines for, for years and help them stop doing all that and get out of a surgery, not have to have the replacement. And I was, um, gentleman is a world famous bird photographer flew in from Florida to see me and I helped him get out of that pain. And then he went home. He was so excited. He tripped and fell on some ice and, or water, busted up his shoulder. He was told he had to have major surgeries. He had an MRI, showed all the tears. He came back to see me. And within a few days, we got his arm completely overhead again, despite having all these tears, which I do believe he had the tears, but his nervous system went into a guarded mode and we got him out of that. So he hired me to travel around the world with him, literally, <laughs> to coach wow. him every day. So we went to the Arctic, the Antarctic, and after about six months, um, I, I finished that, and I came back to the Phoenix area, and I started this business. So long story, but it, there's a lot of twists and turns. Wow, that sounds absolutely amazing. I'm a huge fan of holistic treatment mm -hmm. and understanding that all of our parts are connected together, and I teach my patients this. You know, our physical body is attached to our emotional, which is attached to our spiritual, which is attached to our mental. I mean, it's, it's all connected together. It's not different pieces, parts, like sometimes when you go to some primary care providers, they want to treat just one piece because they're a hammer, so you have to be a nail kind of thing. Now, not all of them by any means, but some of them are like that, and they don't take the holistic approach. 
Mm-hmm. And there's, there's also such an emphasis on um, medication. And that's something else. I know that there are times when medication is needed. And I, and I understand that. But there's a lot of times when there are other methods, because I teach like deep breathing and, and stress reduction, relaxation training uh, to my patients. It's very, very important. And if we can reduce that stress by ourselves without having to take a medication, which inevitably is going to have some kind of a side effect that we then have to deal with. I'm all about that. That sounds wonderful what you're saying. It really is. And I love your approach because a lot of times we don't realize that it's a multitude of things that have led to our current state. And yes, you can have an impact by changing one thing, but why not change multiple things? Why not use all the tools and resources? Why not build a team of people who can help you with your health and wellness? So for instance, like you with doing psychotherapy, you provide such great tools to people for mental and emotional traumas or other types of situations. And you're even bringing in the body into it. And sometimes people don't realize that what they have as an emotional experience, there's a physiological change in their body. The fight or flight nervous system kicks in and causes muscles to contract without our awareness. Yep. And that over time, it slowly shifts our body position and our body position changes more and more in addition to the state that we put it in. And then that's how people can wake up one day and they have pain and they don't know where it came from. And it turns into chronic pain. And it's because over time, the muscles that were taught to contract by a stressor, your brain doesn't recognize that happening And so it eventually gets to the point where it pulls bones, joints, tissues out of position. They start to pinch together. They develop pain. And this often is a result of stressors that are added over life. And that's why when people say they're older, they consider that synonymous with pain. And I say, no, just because you have an older age, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever you consider old, it does not mean that you have to have pain. But what we want to look at is what stressors you have experienced throughout your life that have caused that muscular and physiological change that has led you to this painful state that you're in right now. And let's let's reverse it. Let's go back. That just sounds like a miracle. (laughs) I've mentioned a book before that I've read two times, actually, and I don't have a lot of time to read books. So to say I've read a book (laughs) twice is a lot. It's Bessel van der Kolk's The Body Keeps the Score. And he has talked a lot about exactly what you just said about the, the fight or flight and how we get triggered and we've gone through trauma, some trauma we recognize and some trauma we don't even realize that we went through or we have forgotten and we have repressed it. But then we get triggered as we're walking through our life now and our body responds with that fight or flight way that we don't even realize is going on. Absolutely. And it's hard. It's really, really hard to get awareness of it. And that's obviously the first step is being educated on this as a possibility and then determining, okay, do I have an awareness of this happening to me? Or you seek someone that can help guide you into seeing, okay, is this something that you need to work through? And there is just so many different places where people store emotions and trauma. And I usually give the example 
just to help people understand. Let's say you pick up a bucket of water, okay? You pick up a bucket of water with your arm. You can feel your bicep muscle contract, okay? You can feel it in your upper arm, you feel it. You can lower that bucket down, the bicep muscle stops. That's your voluntary control. Let's say you're holding that bucket of water and all of a sudden you hear a loud bang outside and you think it's a gunshot. So right away, you're, you have an emotion of fear. You're maybe a little bit scared, you're a little bit worried, something like that. Your whole body tenses up in response to that. Now, even if you put that bucket of water down, your bicep muscle isn't gonna completely relax because you heard that loud noise, you have a fear response, your body tensed up, that's sympathetic tone. Now, if you look outside the window and you say, oh, that's a car backfiring, it wasn't a gunshot, okay. You can, in, you can clear yourself mentally, intellectually, and emotionally by knowing, okay, you're safe. Okay, I know that was just a car backfiring. There's nothing wrong here. And a lot of people will do that. But what they don't do is go and clear their physical body. And they don't release that sympathetic tone that was generated from that fear of that loud noise. And so what happens is the nervous system continues to cause a muscle contraction because it wasn't released. And so you continue to have that tightness throughout your body if you don't pause and release it. And that then becomes additive. You have that tension from that loud noise and then you go into your next meeting at work and you know you have maybe it wasn't as good as you expected so then the tension builds from that. You drive home and there's a lot of traffic and you're frustrated because you're late for dinner and there's more tension. So it just continues to build. All because we haven't released what was stored in our body and so our nervous system just slightly changes. So then the next day you wake up, you're like, ugh, I feel like I'm 120 years old. I can't move, I can't breathe, I can't bend over, all these things and it just continues to build. So we need to take that pause after very stressful events or at the middle of the day or end of the day and say, okay, I gotta release the stress from my body, release that sympathetic tone, release the tone that stores the emotions so my body can free up again. Wow. See, I just, I am spot on with what you just said. And I love mm -hmm. it so much because I have taught my patients about 75% of what you just said, but the last part I wasn't really aware of myself. I remember, it's funny enough, I was teaching them an analogy of the, the emotional brain versus the neocortex that has all the, 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 the logical thinking, the reasoning. And I said, you know, what if you're walking along, you're, you're hiking, and in your peripheral vision, you see this black serpentine thing. I said, what are you going to do? And they're like, I'm going to just run as fast as I can and get away. I said, yeah, you're going to do that in like a millisecond. I said, that's your fight or flight kicking in. That's the emotional part of your brain. And when it happens, the neocortex pops offline. You don't have access to your logic and your reasoning when your fight or flight kicks in. So you're rushing over. But then when your breathing slows down, when the parasympathetic kicks in and your breathing slows down, then you're able to kind of look back over there and go, oh, that's just a stick. But what I didn't have was what you added next was now you're carrying this the sympathetic tension in your body in your muscles and you've got to take that next step and intentionally relax that down that that is wonderful information like how how do we do that 
Yeah, and I'll go into it. And I just want to go on with your story there, your example. If you think about it, like even if you see that stick, your heart rate doesn't just immediately drop down. Nope. It takes a long time. You don't immediately calm down. Even if, like any of these examples, you don't immediately calm down because we don't take that next step. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? Okay, let's go through that. So it all starts with how you position your body. Okay. If we go into that Superman posture, chest out, shoulders back, suck up your gut, you are putting yourself into high alert mode, plain and simple. You are putting yourself into fight or flight mode because the fight or flight nervous system lies along the spine in your back. When you go chest out, lift up your ribs, pull your shoulders back, you're encouraging your back muscles along your spine to contract. They're gonna compress on that fight or flight nervous system. Now you're gonna be ramped up. You're gonna be locked up. You're ready to go. And if you think about it, when you sprint, what do you do? Chest out, shoulders back, and you haul forward. You run as fast as you can. You're kicking in your fight or flight nervous system. So besides your voluntary muscle contraction, you're developing sympathetic tone, you're gonna go faster. Now, we need to work on getting out of that. So let's say, okay, we wanna reverse that. So that means we need to drop the ribs down in front, allow our back to relax, allow our belly to spill out because our belly button is our gatekeeper to our ribs. You suck your gut up and in, your belly's gonna, your ribs are gonna lift up in front, you're gonna kick in your fight or flight nervous system. But if you wanna relax, let your gut out, let your belly out so the ribs drop in front, you can relax the low back, you can relax the upper back, mid back, and now we can combine that with changing the way you breathe. So in order to access the diaphragm, the diaphragm needs support for its walls. The thing that provides support for those walls are those ribs in front being down and the side abs helping hold them down. When you suck your gut up and in and lift your ribs up, now all of a sudden you're taking away support for the diaphragm. So when you breathe, you're gonna lift up your ribs. When you lift up your ribs to breathe, you kick in your back muscles, which is gonna put you in fight or flight mode. (laughs) So, we have to change that. So I tell people, sit in a chair, sit all the way back, get rid of your lumbar support if you don't need it. If you have severe pain, then I understand you might need it, but for most people, they don't need it. Let your tailbone curl under you. It's gonna feel like you're slouching, for especially for high achieving people or fitness people. You're gonna feel like you're <laughs> I'm slouching. Not, I'm not gonna lie, just listening to you describe this, I'm like, oh my gosh. I, I, yep, it goes against everything It goes against everything we've been. <laughs> Exactly. But this is why these people save themselves and get out of situations because we go against everything that's been taught to us to put us in fight or flight mode. So you sit back, you let your tailbone curl under you. Now you let your gut out and then we work on how you breathe. And so we're going to change the breathing so that you breathe in your nose. You pause a second, you blow out, your chest drops in, your belly spills out very counterintuitive. Hold your breath for three seconds. Then you work on breathing in without lifting up your ribs. Initially, you're not gonna be able to get it. I will tell people out there, I don't change people's inhalation until we work on how to exhale and get the ribs down. Because your inhalation can't change until you know how to get that rib cage back down and relax your body. And so you can do this standing. You can, I usually say, let's start sitting or lying down, but you want to be able to do it in all positions. So if you see that stick that you thought was a snake, you can sit, stand there and you can say, okay, I'm going to breathe, but work on my body position so I can stand 
let my breastbone melt in to create that sense of safety. My belly spills out, everything drops down, I get more grounded. I can feel the muscles in my body release the sympathetic tone. And then that's when you free up from that incident. Wow, I'm trying to, uh, for those that are listening, I'm trying to physically do what what uh, Dr. Novotny is, is saying. And it does, I mean, you can feel yourself just kind of melting. You yes. just kind of melt down. And it does go against, you know, because we've all been trained. Keep your back straight. Keep your shoulders back. Keep your stomach in, especially for those of us that went through the, the 80s when they're all like, gut in, tuck your tuck your pelvis, keep your shoulders back, you know. And so we just like... We're always in this, you know, this posture of shoulders back, shoulders down. And, but then when you start doing what, what you're describing, it's kind of like you just, you, you, you relax. It kind of feels like melting into the chair. It's nice. Exactly. You're releasing all that tension you didn't need. It's, it's beautiful. And you can do it. You can use it as a tool. So let's say you're going to present on stage and you don't have that fight or flight response that gives you you know clammy hands and sweaty armpits that your nervous system is regulated enough and you want to have a lot of energy well by all means suck up that guts throw out those sh shoulders back chest out and you can project more energy but i say why not just bring your chest in a little bit let your belly come out and project a calm energy that you then draw people in even more and so there's ways that you can implement it and use it if you need to ramp up or if you want to calm down. Most people in this world need to just calm down. And they need <laughs> to learn this skill. And honestly, most of us need that. Most of us don't need to be ramped up because we have too much going on that ramps us up. Yes. Well, and too, like you're describing, I'm imagining someone coming on stage or coming into a social situation. If you kind of come into it hot, you know, with that, with your shoulders back and everything, sometimes people perceive that as sort of an attack mode, even if it's a subconscious perception. And then they're already kind of defensive against you because they, they perceive you as kind of coming in hot versus yeah. the other option that you offered was like letting the shoulders come down some, letting your breastbone come down some, letting your stomach come out a little bit, kind of puts you in more position of relaxation then you come into a social situation and you, you'll be received better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's true because you can use it to change the energy of a room. It's amazing how you show up and how you structure your body changes your nervous system and other people subconsciously feel it. It's incredible. Wow. That is so interesting. Mm -hmm. And I can totally see because of what I already know about fight or flight, how that really fits in as that next step, you know, what that awareness does. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to throw in really quickly, you know, what we're talking about here on, on some level is, is internal locus of control. Because in terms of anxiety management, anything that people perceive as external from themselves, like, um, swallowing a pill or having to get a cigarette or something like that to calm themselves down, that interestingly enough raises anxiety. But when we know that our ability to calm ourselves down is within us, it's our ability to do it and nobody can take it away from us. We can do it whenever we want to that in and of itself, just that knowledge that the core of it, the origin of it is within us, causes anxiety to decrease. Yes, beautifully said, because 
and it's something that it's not common knowledge and it needs to be said more so people like you saying this over and over and getting this out to different platforms and teaching people this it helps us change the way we view healthcare as something from the external to the internal and then having guides to help us access the internal and that's really what it's about I'm really wanting, you know, anyone listening out there to to receive this and to be open-minded. I've always encouraged my audience to really listen to different perspectives. And even if you haven't tried it before, just listen and think, you know, I might could try that. That might seem a little bit odd to me. I might never have really heard about that before, but why not give it a shot? Why not try it? I mean, what do you have to lose? If you try something and it doesn't work, what have you lost? But if you try something and it works, oh my gosh, that could make such a big difference. Absolutely. And like you said, you don't have to do it right away. Let your brain kind of perseverate or, or ruminate or however you want to describe it. Just let it just settle in, um, observe, kind of listen more. And you just never know. You never know how something might help you or you might hear something in a different way that triggers you to explore some other approach. Absolutely. I'm a, a big fan of that, and I've got a couple questions for you, but before I ask the questions, I say over and over, and if any of my patients are listening to this, they will say, I'm always saying, observe, don't judge. That instead of judging, whether you're judging yourself or judging mm -hmm. someone else, instead of doing that, simply observe and say things like, well, isn't that interesting? Or that's curious, rather than something critical or judgmental. And so I think that's kind of what we're talking about here and just being able to, to receive something. Now, selfishly, I picked a question that you listed, that questions that you're always ready to answer. Since starting a podcast is sort of an entrepreneurial thing to do, you know, I already have my private practice, which I love, 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 but I wanted to do something new. And you had a question listed on here. It says, how do you help entrepreneurs perform at a higher level? Now, selfishly, I would like to know. <laughs> and if anybody in my audience maybe is also an entrepreneur or thinking about being one, but maybe they're scared, um, think they can't do it, full of self-criticism or, you know, that kind of thing. How do you help entrepreneurs perform at a higher level? So I work with them on changing not only their body and what we've been describing, but combining it with their mindset so that they stop talking and creating stories in their mind and just perform. If you're interested in doing something, do not think about the repercussions of it. Do not think, will I be good? Think, how can I just take that next step? Who do I need to be around that helps me take that next step? Now, sometimes that's easier said than done. And so we can use the breathing and body repositioning to help you shift your focus from your brain back to your body so you feel safe in your body. It also helps with focus and attention and can help with your energy modulation. So a lot of times as an entrepreneur, we have so many buckets out there and we're constantly going through all these different things. Okay, I need to do this and this and this and this. And we don't pause to help calm ourselves down and so our energy gets depleted. Mm -hmm. So if we can get out of using the energy on the stories that we're creating in our head, will this work, will this not work? 
imposter syndrome, am I the right person? If we take away all of that <laughs> and we say, okay, any time that starts to happen in our head, I have to pause, I have to reposition my body, breathe, find safety, and then decide next, okay, what is my next step that I need to take to accomplish putting this podcast on the platform, whatever it is. So we work through that and every person is different. Everyone's very unique in terms of how they expend their energy. So we may have to look at nutrition, food, what you do for sleep, your habits. Do you, do you turn down the screens at night? Do you go out in the morning, get your sunshine so it resets your circadian rhythm? We have to look at all the ways that you have habits in your life that either improve your energy or decrease your energy and then work on implementing those changes. Those were really, really good suggestions. And I can speak as someone who is currently going through that. I was just actually having a conversation with my husband this morning about this whole leveling up process mm -hmm. that I'm in right now. There's some, some exciting things getting ready to happen with my ideas and with Phoenix and Flame and other things, boundaries, stuff going on. But at the same time, it's very scary. And the things that you're describing happen. You, you get so tired. You get so stressed because you carry stuff. And again, selfish, selfishly, I'm going to say, I've been to the massage therapist. I don't know how many times. And they tell me my shoulders are a freaking mess. Mm -hmm. And I guess I just put it all in my shoulders. And I think I'm just fine. But apparently, I'm not. <laughs> yes. And I'll have to say, if your shoulders are tight and like cement, I already know your rib cage is too high. Your breathing pattern is in a fight or flight breathing. I already know that. Because the way you get those muscles to release, your rib cage has to drop down first. A oh. massage ther can, therapist can push on all those muscles and get them, force them to relax, but they're going to tighten back up if you don't know how to let your rib cage drop down and the shoulders drop with it. So... That's a little information about you that you may not have known or wanted to know even. <laughs> no, I, this is a serious thing. And I'm, I'm certain there's people out there in my audience as well that are walking around like myself with shoulders of concrete and not knowing how to make it go away. Definitely going to be putting your books on the show notes because we need to hear the details, you know, more because what you're giving us right now is just like a little tiny taste of a great big cake that we need. There's a couple more questions that I had on here mm -hmm. that were very interesting to me. Um, one of them, and especially when I'm thinking about my patients and people that might be in my audience, is how do you help people with trauma or abuse get relief? So someone who's had trauma and abuse, they are typically working with a psychotherapist like you. And so we want that person always involved to give mental and emotional strategies. And I come in with helping with the body release part. And so part of what happens when someone's on, gone through some kind of abuse or trauma like that, their body position changes into a protection mode. There are certain areas in the body where we store that, like the breastbone, underneath the breastbone at the xiphoid process, the armpits, and then the front of the hips and the hip flexor area. So those areas become very protective for someone who has undergone something horrible. And they don't know how to release that. They don't know how to move freely in their body. 
They don't feel safe in their body. So it's hard for them to truly move past the trauma if they can't feel safe inside their own physical body. And because the body has changed positions and the emotions have been stored there, until they change that and feel freedom in their body, as, long as, as well as safety, their trauma continues to persist because their body, their mind, their spirit are not in coherence. So we can work on their mind, their emotions, their spirit, their intellect, but if it's not in coherence with the body, the body sets the stage, that's the baseline. If the body is locked up, everything else is gonna be perceived as, as more alert or high alert or danger or stress. Right. So we can clear the mind, we can clear the energy, we can clear the chakras, we can clear all those different aspects. And I've worked with people who've on, gone through all the greatest gurus and therapists, but the body was still stuck. And so this one lady I worked on, she's, you know, she's in the Hollywood area, she's done shows, TV, all that stuff. She had access to the greatest minds in the world, but she didn't clear her body. Her breastbone was so rigid. Her rib cage was so rigid. The spot right at the base of the breastbone, the xiphoid process where your ribs come together, it was so tight in there because she was just storing all this trauma. And so we had to work through getting that to release. And I would change the positions that she was in to help her sense and feel that area let go. And as she felt that let go, she may have body releases. Sometimes people will flail their arms, sometimes they cry, sometimes they cry out, sometimes they revert to another personality. And we just let that happen as the body is freeing up and feeling like that person ha now has control over their body again. And so it's a process of going through that, but they feel this calmness, they feel, the beauty is they learn these skills and they own the skills. It's not something I'm applying to someone, it's something they're learning how to do and change about their body so they can free up. And so we go through a process and it's, you know, and you know, cases of trauma and abuse, there's a long-standing history of habits and the way things are done. So often we take baby steps. So we'll go through something and we'll adjust it just slightly on the next visit and then just slightly on the next session. So they may not be able to progress as fast as someone who just has, let's say, knee pain or... Um, can't sleep but it's these little subtleties that we change and shift and they get comfortable and they start to feel control over the body it's very empowering wow it's this sounds amazing because I've been in psychotherapy so long and I've worked with trauma mm -hmm. with so many people for so long that I know enough to know that you know exactly what you're talking about and it can it makes perfect sense to me and many times it's the missing piece so these things that you're talking about, are they in the the books that, that you've written? Or how is it that people, like how are my listeners to access this type of a, of a treatment to maybe go alongside their psychotherapy? So this type of stuff, it's usually done one-on-one. -on -one. For someone who has been through an experience that has traumatized them, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching through Zoom. We, if they want, we can record the session so they can have a recording to keep going over and practicing. Something like this, it's very individualized, especially when it comes to trauma, because what triggers someone is going to be different and how their body responds is different. 
So in the books that I've done, it kind of describes the process and how I got to those stages, but it doesn't go over the steps by step by step based on a person's trauma because that is very individualized. I want to, someone to have the greatest success as quickly as possible. And so there are so many components to when I work with someone and, and evaluating what's going on, I'm pulling pieces out of them, some of its personality, their history, social history, how they respond to stress. I don't need to know the details of the trauma. That's fine, they don't have to relive that. But I do need to understand their personality and as I'm talking to them, I'll gather information about their personality too. So that way I know how to progress with them. So it's very individualized in that sense. Okay. That sounds like it makes a lot of sense. So what would be like the next step? If, if Hypothetically, if there was someone out there in my audience who is listening to you describe all this and thinking, that's me, that is totally me, and I really need that help, that would make such a huge difference in my life, what do they do? What is their next step? Sure, I'd say email me. So my email is amy, A-M-Y, at paberinstitute.com, P-A-B-R institute.com. I typically like to set up a free 15-minute consult with people to go through a little bit of their history and see if it's a good fit. That helps us determine, you know, is this the right course of action? Are they ready to go through this? Do they have support? Are they willing to try something slightly different? And it just gives us a chance to get to know each other just to make sure. Sometimes you don't know if someone's gonna be the right person for you. And, and I also want to make sure that a person's on board because I'm pouring everything into them and giving them sheets to work on, a personalized email, the recording. I'm doing a lot for them because I really want them to transform and I want to make sure they're ready for it. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Dr. Novotny, I appreciate your time so much. You have been such a treasure to talk to. And like I said, I've been in psychotherapy long enough to know that what you're saying is spot on especially with all the trauma work that I've done with people, I see exactly how what you're saying fits right in with really good trauma work. And it totally fits in, like we were saying earlier, about the holistic concept of the emotions and the, the spiritual side and the physical side. And it just, it's all connected together. And it, if you can get a situation where someone's working all together, then, and they're addressing those different spheres, then it's really amazing of what can happen. Did you have any last uh, comments or, or anything you'd like to say to the, the Phoenix and Flame community out there? <laughs> well, first, I just I really appreciate you having me come on and, you know, being a guest. I really enjoy the conversation and discussions. So thank you very much. And for your listeners, I would say a little mantra I do is I say to myself, ribs down, belly out. And what that means is you want to try throughout your day to drop your ribs down and let your belly spill out. Check in with yourself. See how much you're holding your breath. See how much you're sucking your gut up and in. We will catch ourselves throughout the day doing this. And so I say ribs down, belly out. Just work through that. That's a starting step. You know, I'll have to say that for us females, the whole belly out thing is going to be a challenge. <laughs> I hear it from men and women. It's I found up on stages in front of hundreds of people. I'm like, okay, my belly is out. You guys all in your seat here. Let your belly out. You're not on stage with all these eyeballs looking at you. So if I can do it and have a pooch, the rest of you can too. 
<laughs> I bet they're so much more relaxed when they can do that. It's just like, shoot, thank goodness I don't have to keep holding this in anymore. Yes. Oh, that's so awesome. Ribs down, belly out. Mm -hmm. That's that's the mantra that you say. Yep. Writing that down because I need that as well as anybody else. Me, me and my concrete shoulders. <laughs> All right. Well, out there to you guys listening uh, in my Phoenix and Flame community, if you have heard Dr. Novotny say anything today that has been helpful to you or could possibly be helpful to someone that you know, maybe a friend or a family member or a coworker, I would strongly encourage you to share it. Share it on whatever social media platform is your favorite. Um, get it out there, whether that's on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram or I don't know if you could share that on TikTok or not. On TikTok's a little different, but you know, maybe if there, where there's a will, there's a way. If anybody wants to uh, send me a comment, you can go to uh, Dana Skaggs at phoenixandflame.com uh, or just go to the phoenixandflame.com website and there's a contact me page. You can get a hold of me. You can send me an email. You can make a comment, ask a question. And if you have any suggestions of uh, future episodes that you'd really like to, to hear me present, then let me know. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback. So I hope that you all have a wonderful rest of your day. And this is Dana on Phoenix and Flame.